Good morning. Everybody's been good this morning. Y'all being so quiet and whispering. I was looking back at Hamilton like, Hamilton, pass the plate. And he's like, Dad, you don't know how it works. And then apparently I didn't know how it works. So <laughs> he's, a, he's professional. He knows. Uh, let's, let me just let me pray as we begin. We get into the message. Thank the Lord for, for his giving to us and uh, the opportunity we have to give what he's given back to him. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for my brothers and sisters here those who aren't here with us this morning as well, Lord God. Uh, Lord, for the offering that's been given, for the, uh, the money, but beyond that, Lord, all that we are able to give, we recognize that we don't give from our stuff. We give from your stuff. Uh, Lord, you created all things. So anything we do, anything we give, it, it's from your creation, Lord. So we want to say thank you for making us. Thank you in Jesus for redeeming us. Thank you for blessing us, Lord God. Um, may we not fall into the trap of loving money more than you or something else more than you, Lord God. We pray for help with that, but Lord, that we would use your stuff to, to worship you, to uh, help other people, Lord God, and that you would direct us uh, as you see fit in giving, uh, Lord, and that we would step out in faith in that way, uh, not from the pressures of, of people, but from your pressure, from your guidance, your direction, uh, Lord, to, to trust you. And we thank you that we are able to participate and be a part of what you're doing in the world, Lord God. Um, a, lot of, a lot of things we don't know how this works or why you would let us uh, serve you, be a part of your work, but you make it pretty clear in your word that that's how it works. And you are gracious and good, and that way we thank you for that this morning. Lord, we lift up your word. As we uh, get into this new, new letter, Lord, open our eyes to the, the message that's there over these next several weeks throughout the summer. And Lord, would you do something that we can't really see, can't measure, but uh, probably in time we'll begin to see around us. As you, we just ask that you would change us, make us different, help us to believe uh, what you say. And not just in our minds, but, Lord, in our lives, to live that out. So we lift this up to you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I can't help but think about a little bit of history this morning. And uh, as I don't know if you all like history. Um, one of the things, aside from fiction, one of the things that got me reading was history. When I was in high school, there's this really big book by this guy named Stephen Ambrose called D-Day, and it recounts uh, that decisive battle, June 6th, right? So the, the Allied forces are storming Normandy Beach, and uh, just the stories that are in there, I'm like, oh, I'm going to read. But when uh, I was asked to read literature or, other, or math or other things, like I, didn't, I didn't have much of an interest in reading, reading those, but uh, reading the account of that war, that battle... Uh, captivated me. When we think about history, uh, do, do you wrestle maybe with whether history is relevant to today or not, right? We think, oh, that's, that stuff, I don't need to know that. Um, I think any history teacher would combat the, the wrong ideas we have in our mind, like history doesn't matter. Say, no, 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 history matters. I've got a good friend. Uh, so I work at Emmaus Bible College, and we have, uh, always have a history teacher there. I have a good friend. He was our former history teacher, 
And he, he has all these stories throughout history. I kind of like envy him in a way. He's, he's always bringing up illustrations like, look at this, look at this, look at this, look at this, look at this. You know, what's interesting about history is we, we tend to repeat it if we don't know it. And even though, even if we do know it, we still tend to repeat it. We do the same patterns. We have the same issues, right? Uh, wars, battles are, are waged over the same problems. They're won or lost using the same tactics, right? While the, the current cultural climax, clim, context, there's, a, there's the word I'm looking for, uh, might say things are a little different. We, we don't we don't really change as people. We just kind of repeat these same patterns throughout. So history is really important. Here's some issues with history, though. Who's telling it? What's their agenda? Historians have noted, and I've, as I've read stuff, I've noticed that people, people don't tend to want to show the bad side of themselves. right? So the Bible recounts, and uh, archaeologically this has been confirmed, um, that all the, a number of episodes throughout the Old Testament, one of them is the Assyrian army. Over 185,000 of their soldiers died in one moment as God, as the Bible writes and says, the angel of the Lord came down and he destroyed them. The king of Assyria goes back to his homeland and gets killed. And we don't, we don't read that account. Or the Egyptian army, Israel... If God's people are there enslaved in Egypt, and God delivers them by, mighty, by his mighty hand. And he gets out, and the whole entire Egyptian army ends up dead in the Nile, or in, in the Red Sea, excuse me. These are things in history nobody wants to brag about. No kingdom's going to say, we lost, we made really bad decisions. So what's, what's the bias? Why are they telling us something? Why are they not telling us something? Read the Bible. The Bible doesn't seem to have a bias. The Bible declares to be God's word, and He can see what's right, what's wrong, what's good, what's evil, and not just people, but in nations and throughout history, the beginning to even to today and in the future. It tells us about all of these things. And He doesn't beat around the bush. He tells you what's what. He tells you the good, He tells you the bad, He tells you the ugly. There's like there's this difference that's here. So I just want to, as we engage, I want to look at a little history, uh, something that happened in history, and we're looking at a historical book, one of the, the letters, but uh, what we see in Scripture, is the history there accurate? You kind of, we're going to ask yourself, I kind of ask these questions here and there, right? Is what it says true? And is what it says what matters most? Because the characters, the people, the places, the nations, etc., the Bible talks about, is often not what we're talking about, except the Middle East comes up quite often, right, with, uh, with Palestine, with Israel, and the conflict that they can't seem to resolve, or be it ISIS. Um, you know, there's, there's all these issues that kind of rise up in the news um, when, depending on what's going on politically, as our brother Kyle kind of noted, right, every political party's got their agenda. And so it seems to be like, in our nation, what's expedient? What can get me into office or get people upset with the other party? Let's start talking about this or talk about it through this angle, right? The Bible says, okay, none of that. God judges right, rightly. What he says is important is important. The people that he focuses on, what he wants us to know, so we're going to be getting into the book of Galatians, or the letter of Galatians. Uh, but first, I want to read a little bit of background on the guy who's writing it. So if you turn with me, go to Acts, the book of Acts. Read this first, and then chapter 9. There's this guy, Saul. 
and then he, he's his later renamed to Paul. This is his conversion story. He was a Jew, born, born a Jew, very zealous, very focused religiously on Judaism or what he thought Judaism was supposed to be about. And we find that uh, there is this, like, this new sect of, of religion called the way or called Christians, Christianity. So Acts is really where the, the history of where Christianity began, right? And how there were Jews and then how Christianity broke off from that when really they were just following what the Bible is all about. But Paul, he's, he's uh, in chapter 8, we see him standing in approval over the execution uh, of a Christian, of a follower of Jesus. And then in verse 1 of Acts chapter 9 says, But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So he's getting approval from the religious leaders to go elsewhere and to these other, these other synagogues, these houses of worship, uh, and to if he finds Christians in that area, he's going to take them prisoner, bring them back with him. They said, it's okay, you can, you can do that. Here are our letters. Here's the approval. So he can go and show those and do what he wants. Verse 3. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. And falling, this is not like a little flashlight. Uh, this is not an insignificant light. Um, this is a beaming light, and you'll see that in just a second. And falling to the ground, so it knocks him off, uh, his ride, he goes to the ground. He heard a voice saying, Saul. Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. If we could pause for just a second, and I could say this. Jesus is still active. Is still active. The book of Acts tells us that. Right? If you've read through the Gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you're like, okay, Jesus, he leaves and he goes into heaven. He, he died. He was just crucified on a Roman cross, died, and, but he rose again and went to heaven. But in Acts, we see him still working. We see him still sending people. We see, see him here speaking directly to this guy, Saul. He's probably the one who's sh- who sh- shown the light on Paul. He says, okay, go to the city and I will show you what you are to do. Verse 7, the men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. Sometimes in these visions, God doesn't let the other people uh, around know. Sometimes he does. A lot of times it seems like God's like, I want this person to see everything, to hear everything, to know everything. That seems to be the case here. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus. So he's blind, right? For three days he was without sight, and he neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight. I don't know that street. He knows that street. We're on White Street. We know that, right? Uh, Here we go. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, 
how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. Saints is not just like this holy roller kind of word. It's, it's a word that means holy ones, and it's talking about the work that God has done in a person's life. All of us are not saints in and of ourselves, right? No one can be holy. No one can be a saint without the work that God does in their life. So that's, have that clear, right? You don't get a holy status without the work of God in your life. <clears throat> and here he has authority, verse 14, uh, from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. I love that he's having this conversation with the Lord. That's what prayer is, right? God speaks, we speak to him. Lord, what are you doing? Um, it's appropriate. Verse 15, but the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So God has a purpose. He has a, a, a mission for Saul, who's going to be renamed Paul, to fill. And he has that for all that he calls to himself. So Ananias departed and entered the house. Praise God, he's obedient, right? He's like, oh, oh Lord, we know this guy. He's a terrorist to the church, to your followers. Jesus says, go. And he's like, okay, I'm going. And laying hands on him, he said to him, uh, excuse me, laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is the third person of the Trinity, right? God is one, yet three, Father, Son, and Spirit. Here we go. The Holy Spirit's the one that indwells us and dwells the believer. In verse 18, immediately something like scales fell off of his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized and taking food, he was strengthened. And what we see from here is Paul immediately goes and he starts proclaiming Jesus. He's on this course. He's going from Jerusalem to Damascus with the Aaron, with the intention, with the zeal to persecute followers of Jesus because he thought that was the Jewish way. They were against God. Paul was actually himself against God. And God in his grace blinded him. Jesus blinded him, knocked him off his ride. I'm going to say a horse. Maybe it's a camel. Maybe it's a donkey. I'm not sure. Um, Knocks him off. He can't see. And then God graciously says, hey, I'm going to send Ananias to you. And he's going to make things clear to you. The beginning of Paul's spiritual journey here that we're reading about is from God. And that's very important for us because he's going to bring this back to mind. He's going to say, hey, God appointed me. God gave me a message. It's not from, I'm not appointed by anyone else. I'm not, a, I don't have a message that's from someone else. It's from God, right? When somebody else has a message that's from someone else other than God, it's their agenda. That person's agenda or the person who's speaking to you, it's their agenda. God has an agenda, And I believe it's the right agenda. And a number of us, we see that this is the right agenda. We're giving our lives to it. So this is the question. Do we want to continue to give our lives to this message, to this life? Is what God says true? And one way that we can see that is read the book ourselves. And then being here at church, not just Sunday, right? This is just a little part of it. But you look at someone's life. And none of us are going to be perfect. None of the Christians in here are perfect. But we're trying to follow after God, not on our own strength, but on God's strength. And if you look at that, it's it's radically different. It's like Paul. He was going to Damascus to persecute. God stopped him 
and now he's proclaiming. Not persecuting, he's proclaiming. So if you flip over to Galatians 1, with this kind of in the, in the, back, in the back of our minds, so we're going to be going through it for the, the whole summer, the book of Galatians. If you haven't read Galatians, read it. If you have read it, I'd, I'd ask you to, to keep reading it, reread it, reread it. One thing I'm, I'm enjoying doing, if I'm out riding my bike or hiking, uh, I'll put my, uh, I have a, on iTunes, I have the Bible on iTunes, and I'll play that and just listen to it. And uh, so you could do that real easily, right, while you're driving your car or something. Um, I could do it in my car, but I got like a seven-minute ride to work, so it's, it's not too much time. Um, <clears throat> and you just listen to it. So you have the, the idea of what the book is about in your mind fresh every Sunday as you're coming. I invite you to do that. Uh, let me talk just a little bit about the, the overall, some of the issues Galatians talks about, and we'll be looking at verses 1 through 10 today uh, as we focus and this will be the, kind of the first message of our series, but first a little introduction. The series that we've got is entitled Finding Freedom. The book of Galatians, or the, the letter to Galatians, the Galatian churches, is probably the first book that was written in the New Testament. Right? It's not the first in order that you read. The Holy Spirit didn't put it in that order, but it's probably the first one that's written. So it has a very important message, and the whole message is centered around the good news of Jesus. And specifically, some of the things that it deals with is, hey, we've got the Old Testament right here. We've got the Old Testament, right? And in it, there's all these laws. Moses, specifically Moses, gave laws to the people of children of Israel, and they were following him. They were to obey them. They were not to, to move to the left or to the right from them, to be on that narrow course, to walk straight down that path. Okay, I'm supposed to love my neighbor. I'm supposed to love God. I'm supposed to observe the Sabbath. I'm not supposed to murder. I'm not supposed to covet. I'm, no adultery, uh, etc. All these things, right? They're supposed to follow that. And Paul was on that, had that same mentality. What happened, though, is that they deviated. And as you read the Old Testament, you're going to see that the people of God keep deviating. They keep moving from God and following after him and going their own way. Sometimes, straight up, they're like, hey, we left Egypt. We were enslaved. God freed us. He did all these miracles, and he, just, he, he destroyed the Egyptian army. But, man, we need to go back. That was, those were the good old days, right? Let's go back to Egypt when we were in bondage. Remember the, remember the vegetables? Remember the fruit? Remember the fish? And they like kind of forget all the bad things that happened, Right? So they, they, they grumble. They say, oh, no, let's go back. Other times they're, they're like just straight up, hey, let's go worship other gods. This God who's leading us, no, no, let's go, let's go worship other gods. Swaying back and forth. We look at the, the message in Galatians. We find, hey, true freedom, true freedom is found in Jesus. One of the verses says, for freedom, this is Galatians 5 verse 1, says, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. As we look at the book of Galatians, we're going to find what freedom is. We're American, right? I think most of us. I know we got a deep southerner in the back. Uh, <clears throat> I'm from Texas. Uh, so, like, growing up, I know, like, how Texans are with the, the concept of freedom. Like, we love freedom, right? We have all of our own ideas of what freedom is and what it ain't. Well, God has an idea of what freedom is. And here's this thing. We, f- we find ourselves wrestling. Is, is what this says true? Is that real freedom, God? Or are you talking about being enslaved to you? Is what I'm doing or what I'm pursuing, is that real freedom? 
or does that enslave us? Because as you read through Galatians, you find out, hey, freedom is not just me and I can do whatever I want whenever I want. Living with that mentality, living in that regard, this is what the world tells us, right? I can do whatever I want whenever I want. I'm, I'm my boss. I'm my God. I rule. I reign. That's actually the flesh. That's actually the world order. The world system around us is set up to say, do that. The person who rules that, Satan, actually wants you to do that. That's the deception that Adam and Eve had in the garden. He said, you can be your own God. So you're enslaved, actually. You can't get past your own sin, your own vices. You're stuck, right? You can't break that cycle because you're enslaved. Freedom, God says, hey, freedom is actually serving me, is actually being enslaved to me. Over here, so this, where freedom is really slavery, but it's to a certain master. And this is kind of, this is crazy to me, right? Because this is not what I grew up hearing. But if what the Bible says is true, we've got to put it to the test. We've got to see if that will actually work. Because if freedom, the world promises, says, hey, in slavery to yourself, which is actually the, the intention of a higher evil power, you're going to be following him. And is he a good master? That's a legitimate question. He proves again and again and again he's a liar, he's a murderer, he's a thief. Pause for a moment. If if you know anything, this is not an encouragement to look into this stuff because this is evil, but if you know anything about Satan worship, which is throughout the world, which is no, our country is no exception, right? you hear about people selling them so, their souls to the devil. right? What happens? He didn't let you off the hook. He wants payment. He wants payment. Over here, being enslaved to God. Is that freedom? Is he good? Time and time again, he shows that he is good. And he says, you don't need to make payment. Over here, you got to make payment, right? You have to pay your dues. Over here, he says, I paid it for you. You will be free. I'm going to transform you. I'm going to make you look different. Within, you're going to look like me. I'll take care of you. I'll love you. Now, to be fair, not without hardship. God said, Jesus said to Ananias, he says, I'm going to show Paul, show Saul, how much he must suffer for my sake. There's suffering. I don't, I don't care what camp you're in. You're going to suffer no matter what side you're in, right? Whether maybe you get a lot of good in this life, maybe you don't. But one day or another, you're going to end up and you're going to find yourself in suffering. The Bible says, oh, if you're over here and you're serving the world, you're going to find yourself suffering eternally, right? We have kind of an extreme example, a parable that Jesus talks about. Maybe you suffer a lot in this life. 70 years, 50 years, 20 years, I don't know. But eternity, you're going to be in glory. You're not going to suffer. You're going to celebrate. You're going to rule. You're going to reign with Jesus. All right, so here's these questions. Where does freedom come from? Over here? Does it come from over here? One key character in the Bible is Abraham. And Galatians will talk about this a bunch. Abraham was this guy. He was in the midst of the world. And God called him out, his family out, of the city he was living in, this nation, and this city, or Ur of the Chaldees. It says, come out of there. I want you to follow me. I want you to worship me. He left worshiping other gods to follow the true God, the God of the Bible. And the things that we see him do is very notable. Like, these are, this is a guy of faith, and he's called a patriarch. Right? He's one of these father figures of faith. 
He had great examples, great feats of faith, also great failures as well. But Galatians will talk about him and that we learn through him God made a promise. He didn't say, hey, if you obey me and you do this and do this, then I'm going to bless you. He just said, I'm going to bless you. And through you, through your offspring, your seed, talking about this one person, the New Testament makes it very clear, it's Jesus Christ, I'm going to bless all the nations. God wants to bless. He doesn't want to curse, right? The enemy wants to curse. He wants to curse. He'll say, oh, I'm going to bless you. He might appear uh, one way or another, but he's, he's lying, he's deceptive, he wants to curse. God wants to bless, bless, but we've got to come to him. So we'll look at Abraham. What we'll find as we go through is that there is true freedom in Jesus. There is true freedom in following what God has for us. So as we look at uh, Galatians chapter 1, get into it. This is my intro. I'm trying to make it as short as I can because there's just so much in the book. Um, we get into it. Paul starts out, and he, he, has, uh, he pretty quickly gets into the, the issue. He doesn't, he doesn't want to say, hey, I, I appreciate you, and I'm going to say all these flowery things about how good you are. He's just like straight up like, hey, we're writing to you, and let's get into it. Because people have come in, and they've distorted the message that Paul received from God, gave to these, this group of churches in Galatia, in this region, uh, it's kind of modern Turkey right now, I believe, and he proclaimed this message, and the people came in and said, no, we're going to change that message. Well, when you change the message of God, it's no longer God's message, right? And if God says, this is how you can be saved, this is how you can live a life of freedom following after me, you can be transformed, how the payment that Jesus bore on the cross can be applied to you, you change that message, it's no longer that message. And so Paul has some pretty strong language for these people who come in and are trying to distort that. So let's get into it. Let's start reading uh, Galatians. What I'll do is I'll read through it, and then we'll come back in verse 1 and start talking about it um, from the beginning. Paul, an apostle, Galatians 1, verse 1, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of, God, our, of our God and Father, to whom be, glory, be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I'm astonished that you were so quickly deserting him who called you. Here he gets into it, right? Takes five verses, just kind of intro, and he gets into it. I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting him who called you into the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But if, even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, and now, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant or slave of Christ. So, I kind of mentioned this, but we'll get into it. Paul, an apostle, not from man nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. This word apostle is pretty significant. Uh, sometimes you might see the, the A capitalized. Um, and it ba basically, it means sent one. 
That's like the verb in the Greek is to, to send. And so here, this title is Paul is a sent one. But as you read the New Testament, we get this idea like there are apostles. There are these people who have this foundational office for the church as we read the New Testament. Paul is saying, I'm one of those. I'm one of these apostles. I'm one of these people who hold this office, who've been sent by Jesus, not by anyone else. Right? And we see his, that, and we know that in his conversion story. So his apostleship is not from man. No man appointed him and said, you are deemed an apostle. Some churches have, uh, have an ordination process. I was not a part of one of those churches. Uh, whenever I had a, a, friend, a couple friends that I, I did their wedding ceremony, and they have like a form you need to fill out if you're an ordained minister. And so I went to my church leaders, and I said, am I ordained? And um, the process that we had was really informal. Do you know the Lord? Are you serving in the church? Uh, does the leadership of the church ordain you for uh, preaching the gospel of Jesus? And they all said, yes. I signed a sheet of paper. Boom, we're done. Um, Paul didn't have to go through the real formal process or the process I went through. Jesus appeared to him and said, I send you. You are sent by me. You are my apostle. Right? So we know it's for Jesus. But look, here's a significant one. God the Father who raised him from the dead. So there's, we have the Trinity represented throughout here, the, uh, as we've been reading, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Let's make note of the significance of the Father, what it says about him, who raised him from the dead. Jesus died. Jesus died. Who do you know, who do we know has the authority to go to someone and say, rise from the dead? Nobody, right? This is a controversial thing. Have you seen someone rise from the dead? No. Now, I know of books that talk about stories, people who died and rose from the, get, the dead. This is not one of those, like, you click on that little ad, and they want to get you reading, clicking on other stuff, right, telling you stories, but not really telling you what's it, what's it all about. We can legitimately go and find evidence of people who've been risen, who, who've been risen from the dead, who were raised from the dead, now, all throughout the world. Sometimes God wants to do that. But this is kind of these rare things that we see. We don't, this is a rare thing. We don't really see this happen. Who has the authority to do that, though? That's beyond our scope. That's beyond our power. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care how much power you have. We can't raise people from the dead, right, to never die again. God can do that, though. And so one of the things that's been said about the resurrection of Jesus Christ is you can't disprove the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And there are a number of people who set out to disprove it and uh, actually came to Jesus. They weren't believers. They weren't uh, Christians. They weren't followers of Christ. But they went to disprove it and say, no, I don't believe it. It's not true. And came to Jesus as a result. So try it, right? Uh, try to disprove it. It would be a good study for you. It would be an encouraging study for you Christians like to, to uh, fuel the fire of your faith that God did raise Jesus from the dead. God has the authority to do that. So Paul is not only backed by Jesus, like Jesus sent me, but he also has the authority of the Father, and the Father has the authority to raise people from the dead. And here, who is he writing to? The church of the Galatians. Oh, I missed verse, the first part of verse 2. Uh, and the, all the brothers who are with me. Note, Paul doesn't call them apostles here. He just says, hey, I've got these brothers with me. It could be brothers and or sisters, because in Greek it can mean both, right? It's like in Spanish, if you've taken Spanish, hermanos usually refers to, like, the, the mixed genders, right? It's men and women. Same thing with brothers here. Paul's writing to the church of Galatians. 
Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is pretty much like his typical, typical opening. He wants them to be empowered, grace by God, and to have the peace of God upon them. And he reminds them of this important aspect of the gospel message. Who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father. Jesus died on the cross. There's, there's a number of messages out there today. Jesus died on the cross to save us from our sins and to deliver us from this age. The world that we live in today, it's not a different world, a different time. It's not just back then. It was back then, and it is now as well. Because there is evil in our world. And if we don't see that now in America in these days, I don't know when we'll see it. I think we, a lot of people, their eyes are being opened to this reality, right? That we are in an evil age. Now, uh, I had a point I didn't mention earlier that I was thinking about mentioning, but there, I have some uh, internationals. We used to work with internationals in South Louisiana when we lived there. And a number of them would note uh, uh, how they loved America for the freedom that we have. It's like, okay, good. But we know we're still messed up. But there was this, there was this comparison they were drawing. Their experience in their country and then their experience here. Right? Well, okay, hey, comparisons might be helpful. But it doesn't matter where, whether they were there and they had more oppression than we have here in certain areas. We all know. It's evil. It's not the way it's intended to be. We're not flourishing. We're not all happy. We're not all blessed the same way. We're not all in the presence of God like we should be, right? There's sin around us. There shouldn't be pain. There shouldn't be sorrow. There shouldn't be sin. There shouldn't be all this evil that is present in our daily lives, right? Jesus not only wants to forgive us for our sins, to pay. He's like, I pay the penalty that, that you have to pay, but I pay it for you. He also says, I want to, I want to deliver you from the evil around you. Right now, that could be that God says, "Okay, I want to take you home with me." And when we get that opportunity, that's going to be awesome, right? That's going to be awesome. But it, what it looks like a lot in our lives is the evil within us. God changes; He makes us look a lot more like Him, and then we get to influence the people around us. You kind of get this into your message. Tony Evans is real good about kind of like you. You know, and then your radius, as we like to use here, the people around you. It's like you, your family, your church, your community. So we can think neighborhood or we can think your city, your state. You know, boom, we just keep spreading out. You influence those around you. They influence those around them. And that's just all part of Jesus' plan, right, to undo the evil. He doesn't say, boom, I'm going to take over a nation and we're going to put all these laws. No, he said, I'm going to put a law, a new law in your heart. I'm going to transform you within and then you're going to be my messenger and transform. You're going to spread the message that will transform people around you within. This is, this is the focus. This is what Jesus wants to do. In verse 5, says, To whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. People don't get the glory. We get to think about it a different way. We don't get the worship and the honor, the recognition. God gets the recognition. We don't say, hey, God, you did this, but I'm going to take I'm going to take your name, and I'll say, I did it all. I did it all. Look how great I am. You might fool people in a moment. You might do that here or there. But at the end, God will say, you need to bow. Give me the glory that I deserve. At the end, he'll make us do that. Or we can do that now. Remember, he's good. He is good. He is good. Verse 6. 
I'm astonished. Paul now dives into it. I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. I came in. I proclaimed the gospel among you that I didn't receive from anyone else. Here's the message. Gospel, again, if you need a different word or a different phrase, good news. It's this message of how God is taking over the world through the death of Jesus, through the, through the crucifixion, burial, and resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. So Jesus literally died on the cross, paid for our sins, was buried. So he, we know he was literally dead, but then didn't stay dead because he, did, he wasn't sinful. He just took on our sin. And now he's, right, he's at the right hand of the Father. And that usually speaks of the power of the authority that Jesus has in that position. Paul says, here's this message. He, Jesus gave it to me. I proclaimed it to you. And, and now uh, you've, you've turned away from that. You deserted that. This is, like, uh, this is akin to what Israel does. When they leave Egypt and they're following after God and they say, oh, no, we need to go back to Egypt. We need, we need to go back. Oh, yeah, you did the ten plagues. Remember how the whole Nile was turned into blood? Remember how the, the hail came down? Remember the flies? Remember the frogs? Remember the last one when you said, if we take the blood of a lamb and we just wipe it on the outside of our, our door to our house and we stay in our house at night, that our firstborn in our house would not die. But that those who didn't do that, their firstborn would die. God, you were judging Egypt. We remember that. We saw that. Even Pharaoh's firstborn died. But, and we followed you, but now we want to turn back. It's kind of, it, it, it reminds me of that. Paul says, you, you're turning back. You're turning away. Not just like to this void, but to, to someone else. You're following after God, but now you're turning away from him to follow someone else. Why? And it's a different message. Verse 7, not that there is another one. But there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. So there's these, these uh, guys, and as you read a lot of literature, and we might refer to it here or there as Judaizers. There are these Jews that said, nope, to follow after God, yeah, let's follow Jesus, but you actually have to maintain Jewish status. Right? You've got you to gotta do all the Jewish things. You've got to look Jewish. You've got to follow their laws if you're going to truly follow Jesus. That was never a part of Paul's message. And we'll get into that as we go throughout Galatians in more depth. That's not the reality. No, that's not the gospel. In verse 8, But if we or even an angel from heaven should preach to you a, contrary, a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. I love how he says it. He's like, okay, here's this hypothetical situation. If we came back to you and we began to say, hey, actually, we messed up. That was the wrong message. Here's, here's the right message. Sorry, we forgot. Like, you should, you should be Jewish. You should look. You should dress. You should eat. Jewish men should be circumcised. Like, you got to do all of that. Observe all the laws, all the rules, all the regulations. Uh, basically, you're, we know you're from another nation, but you ethnically, religiously need to be Jew in order to be God's people. It's like, we messed that up, okay? Paul says, if we come back and we say that, no, we should be accursed. What if an angel comes down and says, hey, uh, actually, here's the message of God that wasn't rightly proclaimed to you by Paul. And he goes and they go and say the same kind of thing. So they should be accursed. Paul and angels will never say that. And we know Paul because he's dead. We have his history. He never said those things, right? When he came to Jesus, he was very focused on the gospel message he proclaimed. 
angels, usually when we're reading, angels will not deviate from God. When we read angels, we think they're, they're following after God. When we read demons, they are fallen angels, right? They follow after Satan. They, they went his way. And so they'll, they'll try to appear. But Paul's not, he's not bringing those up. He's saying, okay, hey, even if the good guys, the right people, right? If we say a different gospel, let us be accursed. Uh, I'll talk about the word accursed in verse 9. Verse 9, as we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. This, this idea, the word, is anathema, and it refers to God's curse. The NIV translated, translates it this way. Let him be eternally condemned. You deserve eternal punishment if you change the message of the gospel. So Paul says, if we did it, or if angels did it, they deserve, we deserve eternal punishment. These people who've come in among you and have changed the gospel message, not that there's another one, they're proclaiming a different gospel, the not, not the true gospel, right? Paul doesn't beat around the bushes like, you deserve eternal damnation. You deserve to burn. You deserve your punishment. You don't deserve to be by God, be with God, know God, dwell with him forever. You deserve to be cast out from him. I think as some of the stuff as I'm reading on this, this word, it was used of in, um, in worship of deities in their temple. Uh, curses were kind of hung like on a pole in the temple. Or maybe even a person would be hung there. So you imagine that. Okay, we're taken away from God's presence. We're put up. And we look at this person that's dead hanging there and say, they're cursed. We're cursed, right? Very strong language. And Paul says this in verse 10. I want to kind of bring it back in with verse 1. For now, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I, am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant or slave of Christ. Paul's like, I was, I was trying to please man on the road to Damascus. I was going my way. And I, these religious leaders, the guys who taught me the, the word of God, the, the law, they misunderstood it. I was trying to please them. I was focused. I was persecuting Jesus. But God got a hold of me and changed my life. Right? I'm not trying to please men. I'm trying to please God. How do, I, how do you know that? Because I'm a slave of Jesus. What he tells me, I do. Where he tells me to go, that's where I go. And, you know, with Paul, we have, again, we have his history. We can see the whole thing. He was, he was martyred. He was killed for his faith. He was stoned. He was shipwrecked. He endured hunger. He endured lots of persecutions. What do we do with a person like that? Say, man, the message is not true. That kind of life, that kind of life challenges any narrative, any story that says, no, nah, that's not a true message. And there's people all throughout history who have given their, their lives, like Paul, for the gospel message. Because what's riding on it? What's at stake? Your eternity, my eternity. If this is God's message, he says, hey, through Jesus, you can be blessed. And all the nations can be blessed. And one day, I'm going to make everything right. I'm going to set up my kingdom. And only those who trust in me can come and be a part of that. Jesus is the way we get there. And someone comes along and says, no, 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 no. We've got to add something to it. Like, you need to have rules, regulations. You've got to keep that as well. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. 
you believe that wrong message, you're going to be in eternal damnation. Okay, you're gonna, you're gonna, we're going to die. You're going to end up somewhere that God doesn't desire for you to end up. Now, God leaves the decision up to us, right? He said, okay, you've got the word here. You decide. God's still active in all of our lives from day one to, to the last day that we might know him, that we might seek after him. The stakes are high, right? As we go through Galatians, we're going to see this. We're going to see this. So some questions to ask. Just as we close and we think about this series, who are you trying to please? I can't help but ask myself that. I read with Paul. Am I, am I trying to please man? No. Pleasing God. Because sometimes we cater our message, we cater our lives to the approval of other people. Now let me, let me say something with that. Because sometimes you can think, all right, I'm just going to be real, I'm going to speak my mind. It, when you're doing that and it's not in the spirit of God, it's not going to be a good thing. Right? Paul spoke the message of God and this power and spirit of God. So when he would say, you need to be accursed, and he uses this, this curse word for these people, very strong language, right? Um, he's using that in the spirit. He was in the right. He wasn't in the wrong. A lot of times we say things and we got to be like, oh, that was actually wrong. That was all me. I wasn't zealous for God. I wasn't filled with the spirit. I was ticked off. I was mad at you. Right? So are we trying to please men? Are we trying to please God? And let's balance that with some wisdom. How do, we, how do we know the wisdom we need? Let's be in the word with that. Let's be in the word with that. Next, and equally important, what's the gospel message that you are believing? And this is, this is one that can be very subtle. We live all our lives. One thing that I've noticed a lot in my life is, oh, I believe Jesus, I believe Jesus, I believe Jesus. Like I'm saved by Jesus. Now, the gospel is I live by my own strength. No, 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 no. Remember what we read? It says, Jesus, gave, who gave himself for you, verse 4, gave himself for our sins, okay, so he saved me from my sins, to deliver us from the present evil age. Any good that I do in this life is not a result of me. It's a result of God working in my life, right? It's, it's Jesus and his work. There are a lot of devi- deviations, a lot of variants. We believe this, we don't believe that, we believe this, we don't believe that. If we don't believe rightfully, the fruit of our life will be wrong. It'll be the works of the flesh. We'll get to that in, verse five, in chapter 5 of Galatians. It talks about here, here are the works of the flesh, which are not a good thing. Here are the fruit of the Spirit, which are a good thing. We can begin to kind of measure ourselves. Say, okay, what do I experience in my life? Is it love? Is it joy? Peace? Patience? Think about that person. Think about that person. Think about that situation, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. As we look at Paul, he maintained those. Why? Because of Jesus. We look at the life of Jesus, he exemplified those. There are times he's being beat and mocked and questioned, and he doesn't open his mouth. Not that he couldn't, Right? but he was displaying the fruit of the Spirit. So how do you respond? How are we living our lives? Let's examine those two lists, and you can kind of get a gauge of what gospel you're believing. Is it God's message, or is it a different message? Lord, help us with this, and he will. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you uh, for this book, uh, for how it starts. And uh, Lord, I pray that you would help us to follow you as you guide us Uh, through this series, through the the letter to the Galatians, Lord, to know what the gospel message is, to believe it, 
and to be changed in our own lives, Lord God. May we not proclaim another gospel. May we not believe another gospel, live another gospel message other than the one that your word contains. Lord, we do thank you for Jesus, that he gave himself for our sins to deliver us from our sins in this present evil age. We pray as we go week by week, Lord, that you bring us together before yourself, not just on Sunday, but even throughout the week, uh, Lord God, and that we would see your deliverance in our lives. Lord, that you would be bringing those to yourself that don't know you, Jesus, to recognize that your message is true, that you are good, and that the world that they've been living in, the life that they've been living is not good. They've had an evil, wicked master, and they can be freed through you, Lord Jesus. And for the person who's been walking with you for years, a couple years, many years, Lord God, would find deliverance from this present evil age. Lord, the sin that still lingers within, Jesus, that you would continue to save and deliver from that. Lord, that our interactions with one another, there would be healing, purity, restoration, freedom. We do ask, Lord, that we would find the freedom that you intend to give us in this life and the one that will never end. We pray in Christ's name, amen.